Would you turn with me in your Bibles, please? Just as we, this morning, carry on looking at the book of Psalm, and I'd like Psalms, and I would like you to turn to the Psalm 92, please. We are really full with the word of God as we look at the scriptures and as God speaks, as preaching is the gift that God gives to the church for the church to hear him speak. It is not a man or a woman that expounds just on the scriptures, but it is God speaking to his church. So I'd like you to discern and I would like you to hear the voice of God this morning. So we want to look at Psalm 92. And we're going to read verses 1 to 15. So if you would follow along, please. Verse 1 says, It is good to praise the Lord and to make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord. How profound your thoughts. Senseless people do not know. Fools do not understand that Though the wicked spring up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are forever exalted. For surely your enemies, Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured on me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the root of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no wickedness in him. The verses that I would like to concentrate on today are verses 12 to 15, which again says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there is no wickedness in him. And so we will see that when you read the introduction of the Bible here, the introduction says a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. So it is the psalm of David, this one, although he didn't write all of the psalms, 
but it is a psalm for the Sabbath day because the people of God in the Old Testament was commanded to gather together on the Sabbath day, which was the Saturday, to come and to worship God together. It was a command. It was a practice. But you see, the people of God dwelt together as a household of God. And so when the Sabbath drew near, there was a sense of all throughout the week, they built themselves up to this moment where the church would gather together, together, unitedly, with one voice, and they would proclaim the goodness of God. They would sing about his faithfulness to all generations, past and future, and they would proclaim that their God is present. And so it was a celebration when, we, when they came together. That's why when you read the Old Testament, you'll find out that they worshiped God with whatever they could get into their hands when the people came together. There was a lot of noise, and there was a lot of voices singing together, and they listened to the word of God. There was a intention to be together on the day of the Lord, as the scripture says within the Old Testament. And so we see here that the psalmist speaks about worship within the first few verses of the psalm. And he says on the Sabbath day, the people come together to worship. And he declares that they've come together to praise the name of the glorious God. And then we see that he comes together and he speaks about the witness that the people of God has amongst the other heathen nations around them. And we know what the purpose of God was that for the Israelites that they would become a light to the Gentile nations. It was always to be an act for the other nations to see the goodness of God within the nation of Israel and that that would draw them to the light, the God of the living God. He drew them to himself through the nation of Israel. Now they didn't do a very good job because they kept the gospel to themselves and the gospel wasn't always heard in the way that it needed to be heard by the others. But nevertheless, we see here that they start out with worship. Then in the middle verses, we see that he speaks about the witnessing influence of the people of God. And then he speaks again about the promise of God that will be the portion of the righteous. And he says here, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in all age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no weakness within him. And so we see here that the psalmist says that in our worship, in our witnessing, the God of the Bible becomes 
our promise and our inheritance. And a few weeks ago I said to us that as a church, as believers, we need to learn to step into the promises of God. And we need to, by faith, live in them. And we need to speak the promises of God over one another. When we go through difficulties, my friends, we don't just say, and it's a South African expression, oh, shame. Have you ever heard that from the South Africans? It means, you know, ah, we feel so sorry for you. We don't just say, oh, shame, you're going through a difficulty. But we actually speak the promises of God into one another's lives. Because the promises of God, Paul says in the book of Corinthians, is yes and amen. And that's why as believers, we need to know the promises of God so that we can take the word of God. And when people go through difficulties, we give them the truth of God that will strengthen them and that they would know through the promises of God that God is for them and if God is for them who can be against them I had the very difficult thing yesterday to do as I heard that one of the deacon couples within our previous church the church that we were at um, in South Africa we led that church for a number of years and one of our deacon couples the wife passed away from COVID-19 she was 56 years old she went into the hospital, no uh, illnesses that we know about, went into the hospital in a period of two weeks, she died. And I got onto the phone, and well, first one of my close friends called me, who are really close friends with them, and told me the news. And we spent about 40 minutes just talking and encouraging one another, but we were encouraging one another through the promises of God. Because what remains in those moments that we don't understand? Those moments in which we grieve, what remains, my friends? Only the promises of God. That's all that remains. And then, eventually, I found this wonderful couple that served so faithfully within his church and us. And together, we spent Christmases together. Our children grew up together with their children. They are the same age as Ryan and Chris. And um, eventually I got a hold of Rian. Sent him a message, sent me a message back. And I spoke to him and he just wept over the phone. And we wept together. And what do you say to a man who just lost that morning? Most wonderful woman. She honestly Gerard, my other friend, said to me, Piet, in the years that we've been friends since 1991, I never heard this lady ever say a negative word about someone else. Isn't that amazing? This lady, the day my parents left South Africa to move over to Portugal, her and her husband was there just to see my parents off. Isn't that? I mean, they always took care of my parents. What an amazing couple. And yet God chose to take her. It was around... Saturday morning, one o'clock. And all that I could do with Rian, I said, Rian, I don't know what to say to you, but I just want to tell you and remind you again of the wonderful, wonderful promises of God over your precious, precious wife and over you as a family. 
And he said, Piet, please just tell me, just tell me. And I had about 10 minutes and I just told him about the wonderful promises of God. And then I said, I know that you're grieving, my friend. He says, Piet, pray for me. And I just, I just prayed for him. And I just, I just said, Holy Spirit, would you give me the prayer to pray over this man, this faithful servant of yours? And you know, God just, again, all I could pray was the promises of God over them because I know that my God is faithful. Amen? He's faithful. Pray the promises of God over him. And I think he was gracious, but he says, Piet, that's exactly what I needed. And I remember what, as I was praying for him, one of the prayers that I prayed, I said, Father, just the anxiousness that covers this family. And Lord, the absolute shock of what's happened, would you come? Would you just lift the anxiousness, the anxiety off of them? And would your peace just come and rule within their hearts? And just within my emotions, I just felt God just lift something off Rian, Rianka and Liani. I just felt it. Why? Because when we start to live in the promises of God, we have confidence to pray the promises of God over one another. Is that a good place to say amen? Amen. If we don't live there, my friends, it's very hard to pray it. And so David on the Sabbath, he says, we all get together and we sing and we talk and we pray the promises of God into existence with one another. And so you see verses 12 to 15 again, as in the previous Psalms that we've been preaching on, the promises of God stands out and the promises of God, my friends, in the time of uncertainty, in the time of danger, in the time of disappointment is that anchor that doesn't point us towards our disappointments, but it points us towards the faithfulness of God. I believe in the promises of God. I believe in what we sang this morning. I believe what we read this morning. That is what helps us to come through. And and the righteous here, Because he says in verse 12, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. God decided to take his wife at the age of 56. Year younger than me. Rian's about my age. I'm praying that they would flourish like a palm tree. Cedar of Lebanon. Why? Because I know my God and even in my own life, when I'm struggling, when I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not where I should be, my faith is in what God promised. His promises are yes and amen. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Yes and amen. That means it is settled. And the psalmist declares this, and he says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedar of Lebanon. Now remember, they sing that on the Sabbath day. They had gone through difficulties throughout that week, the Israelites. 
They encountered the things that we encountered. Children died, wives died, husbands died. All kinds of things were happening. But when they came together on that one designated day of the week, my friends, these people came together. They were rejoicing together because they knew that they were with people who believed in a God who keeps his promise. My friends, when you come here on a Sunday morning, you're amongst people who believe in a faithful God who keeps his promises, and you will be lifted up when you come here. By the time you leave, you would be able to say, as we read in the beginning of the service, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Glad. Not grudgingly coming to the house of the Lord, not being dragged here, but I'm glad because when you're with the people of God, the people of God will inspire you and they'll point you not towards a man, not towards a people, but they'll point you towards a God of the covenant. Lord in capital letters, the one who has covenanted with you through the blood of Jesus. And my friends, when he's covenanted with you through the blood of Jesus, it is yea and amen. That means yes and amen. Yes, the day of worship for Christians changed from the Sabbath to the Sunday because of the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's when the early church started to gather together on Sunday, the first day of the week. It ushered in a new era, a new time, which was based upon the victory of Jesus over sin, over the grave, and over the devil. And so when we come together on the first day of the week, we come in victory, even though we tasted defeat. Isn't that wonderful? Even though we've tasted defeat, my friends, we come in victory. Because God takes us and he reminds us who he is. I love love this passage of scripture. The first time I saw this scripture and remembered it was when Jenny spoke upon being planted in the house of the Lord at our previous church. And I was so moved because people needed to know that the righteous are planted in the house of the Lord. And my friends, it is so true that when we are planted in the house of the Lord, there is something that happens within our lives that will not happen even though are you, if you are a Christian and you're running all everywhere else, but if you are not planted with fellow believers and you don't decide to come together regularly on the first day of the week, my friends, you will not experience what I'm talking about today. God has made you and I not independent of each other. He's made us to be interdependent with one another. Intentionally, the church meets together on the first day of the week. And I know people say, well, you know, we're the church every day of the week. No, you will see within the New Testament, there is a day, every day is the a day of the Lord, but there is one the day of the Lord. Every day is a day of the Lord, but one day is the day of the Lord, where the church gathers. My friends, we can even gather on a Tuesday if we want to, 
but there needs to be one, the day of the Lord, where fellow believers come together and we shout forth the praises of God. My friends, do you know what happens when we come together on the day of the Lord? The witness of the church is heard about and seen about to all those who do not know Jesus. The witness of the church one day of the week is a witness to the non-believers that Jesus is alive. That's why we do it on the first day of the week on Sunday. Amen? That's why, my friends, I'm a little bit passionate this morning, you can see. It's not my fault. I asked the guys on Tuesday night to pray for me because I was feeling so poorly. They prayed for me. After they prayed for me, honestly, I went into the lounge. I felt 70% better that night. So if I'm a little bit excited, it's all because of the pre-meeting group. Honestly, something was lifted from me on Tuesday morning that I carried and I didn't even know what I carried. But when they prayed for me, honestly, I'm not 100% yet, but I, it was like 70%. I said to Jen, I can't even go to bed. I just stayed up until 12, one o'clock, just sitting there and honestly, just thanking God for his goodness. My friends, the day of the Lord we've decided is on a Sunday. And fellow believers, we need to get together. And we must become intentional in coming together. Because the benefit is for us. It's for you, but it's also for the world outside there. There's a hamburger place that just opened up across the road there. And it was most amazing. I went to buy a hamburger for myself. Not the first time. And I went across there and I said to the lady, I said, you know what? You know, we're left here. She says, yeah, no, I went onto your website and I see what you guys are. I wanted to say to her, well, I want you to see who we are. Amen? That's a whole lot better. But not just her coming here, but I want her to see who we are. Because the church gathers together on the day of the week. And then on all of the A days of the week, we gather together. Our behavior is the same on the A day as it is on the day. And when our behavior is the same on A day to the, the day, my friends, that's when the world starts to take notice of Jesus who is alive and he's there for them. And so I said to her, I said, do you know what? Let me share a little secret with you. That was Friday. It was a little bit busy in there. I mean, a little bit not too busy at all. I said to her, if you open your doors on Sunday, I said, you will have much more business. <laughs> she said, I'll open up at three o'clock. I said, no, we don't stay that long. <laughs> I said, but if you do, you'll have about 150, 200 people who possibly could buy one of your hamburgers. Why, my friends? Because the church is good because of Jesus' goodness within us. And people out there need to know and hear about it. And it's through you and I, but it's through the church. Just in case you think I'm, I'm just excited. I'm, I am excited. And it's not on our system, so you don't need to look for this scripture. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, says this. 
Therefore, brothers and sisters, why don't you turn to that passage quickly in your Bibles? Always good. Never just believe what I have to say. Check it out. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over there, can you say it together with me? Over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Why? For he who promised is faithful. Verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Verse 25, it's not for you, it's for everybody else. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Ha! Attendance is not everything but it is an important aspect of our church life. Just incredible, just when we look at the scripture. I want you to pick up just as I close, and we'll talk more about it next week, but I want you to pick up just the heart that David had for the house of God, where the glory of God dwelt. I want you to pick up his heart because my friend, discipline eventually flows into delight but we've got to discipline ourselves and eventually it becomes a delight for those of you who struggle with being a part of a church service on a Sunday. Discipline will bring delight but I want you to hear the delight and the passion that was in David's heart. You know, he just said, <laughs> you know, um, as we see here, he said, it is good to praise the Lord and to make music to your name, O Most High. He was talking about the Sabbath day. Put it in context of what it was written. It's good to do it. That was his heart. Psalm 122 verse 1, which we've read. And as they were walking up towards Jerusalem, this is a psalm again of a saint, a psalm of going to Jerusalem. David said, uh, or someone said, yeah, it is a psalm of David actually. He said, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Find his delight. I rejoice with those. It wasn't a hard thing. I rejoiced with those. Psalm 23 verse 8 Again, David's heart, he says, surely goodness and mercy or love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see his delight. You see his passion. And I know I've picked on Ken a lot today, but I'm gonna continue to pick on him today. He's such a wonderful man to pick on. A wonderful man. You know, when I say to Ken, just take a weekend off. He 
He says, must I? I said, yes. I said, your wife and your children need you to take a weekend off. And so he had some leave holiday, and he says, Peter, I am taking it off. I said, good, I don't want to see you here again, good. And then a week, he missed the first Sunday, and then was it the second Sunday or the third Sunday? The second Sunday, he sends me a message because he knew I, uh, I would be cross with him. But he sent me a message at half past nine. He says, Peter, just for your interest, um, Mush and the girls really wanted to come to church today, so I'm bringing them and coming along with them. He says, we'll just pop in. This man has an overwhelming passion and desire for the house of God. I don't want to make it a religious thing just here on Sunday. It's because it's not. It is because of the overwhelming goodness and the kindness of God. When he released us from our sins, when he baptized us in his death, but also in his resurrection. And when he made our spirits alive, all that we can say is, God, we want to worship and we want to praise you. That's who the righteous are that David speaks about here. It almost sounds like that. It's a religious term. The righteous, those who do everything right. Well, David never did. He was as sinful as you and I. But he understood better than any Old Testament prophet person that it was because of the loving kindness, the grace of God, that he one day will inherit eternal life. And that's why we come together to worship God. It's because of the glorious gospel that set us free, the gospel which is the love story that God has with mankind. Displayed through Jesus, who lived a sinless life, but who died, buried, and rose again so that you and I can be free within our spirits. My friends, that's the righteous. The righteous is not people who just come to a service because they have to. It is people who encountered Jesus and he knows that their sins are forgiven. I think every now and then you and I need to be baptized into that grace. Would you say amen to that? And we need to remember, it should never be a hard thing come together and gather around with Christians to sing the praises of God. Even when we are low, even when we're going through difficulties, that's actually when we need to be here. My friends, I was sick on Tuesday. I wasn't well. Emotionally and physically, I wasn't well. Spiritually, I'm good, but emotionally and physically, I wasn't well. I needed church of the living God and Ken said to me because he was taking he says Pete we'll pray for you I said Ken do you mind if I just for 10 minutes step into the prayer meeting over Zoom stepped into the prayer meeting for 10 minutes man these people prayed if you don't if you can't come I understand but if you can come come because if I needed it so many of you need it even more because you're not as privileged as I am to be with people of God every single day like I am. And honestly, person after person after person started to pray for me. And something just lifted from me emotionally, but also physically I was touched. My friends, we don't come together because we have to. We come together 
because out of what Christ Jesus did for us, we come to celebrate his goodness and his love.